I am so excited to share today's conversation with you. I recently got to sit down with my new friend, Sierra Lane Myers, who's a wife, mother, and award-winning business owner. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about her new book, Glasses Off, which offers readers practical ways to move forward with vision, calling, and purpose when the path seems unclear. Sierra is just so down to earth. She's relatable and it's honestly really refreshing. I know you're going to love her just as much as I do. So pop in your AirPods, keep doing whatever it is you're doing, and let's get started. Sierra, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be sitting down with you today talking about your new book, Glasses Off. Thanks for being here with me today. Hey, thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to write this book? So I am a writer now. I am a mommy and a wife and a business owner and all the things. Um, To be honest, the title of the book totally inspired the writing, which is a little backward from what I've heard. Um, Basically, I was creating content for brands, doing licensing images for them. I had a little blog that I was working on. And then I was running a counseling practice with my husband. We have a little group practice where I hired therapists and then manage them. And we get to help people help people, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. And then I had these two kiddos. One of them is 10. One of them is four. Well, I guess they were two, three years younger at the time that I'm referring to. But Basically, I felt the Lord telling me to stop in reference to the digital work. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really make a lot of sense because, to be honest, it had just now started making like a decent amount of money. And so I was really excited. And, but that just, that impression never left and it stayed there for probably a year. And so I was like, okay, I think this is from the Lord. This is not just my thought. And so I stopped. And I stopped creating content. My audience left. Agencies were no longer paying me. I really quit cold turkey for probably two years. I just didn't say anything. And you know, as someone in this space, you can't just leave. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole business kind of goes away. So um, I didn't feel peace about it. And then the, I guess I was angry praying at God one day, like, Lord, you took this thing away and you didn't give me any direction and I followed your command and he totally put this book title on my heart. And at the time he said, and it was obviously not audible, but it was impressed so clearly like a book that I went to Amazon to buy it because I was a secret writer, but I wasn't an author. So I'm like, okay, the Lord wants me to buy this random book. Well, obviously nothing came up. And at the time, he said, glasses off, how to see God when your vision is blurred. And we've since changed it. It was a working title. So when I typed that in, the recommended ones that Amazon gives you were all about optometry. So I thought the Lord wanted me to read a book to prepare to lose my eyesight. I love that. (laughs) So I totally jumped the gun there. I jumped the conclusions. Worst case scenario. And um, I would have done the same thing, by the way. So, yeah, because I'm like, like all of this is scientific. I have, I know nothing about eyesight. So I, it was in with like a few days that God revealed to me, you just, you need, I need you to write this book. You don't need to buy this. You're, it's not that serious. <laughs> Your health is just fine. Okay. And so I started writing. And when I thought about writing, 
I have an office that I work out of, but I went upstairs to the playroom, the kids' playroom, and looked over there out their window for like inspiration because I could see the other homes. And uh, I like thought what I should, I thought I should write like an author would sound. So I started and I was like peering through the second floor window of the fog. And, the, and I'm like really trying to get into it. And um, I just felt the Lord like, say, just do you like, you know what you need to write about? Just scribble a lot of words. I'll speak through you. And so I, um, I just started to write random things. And after like a year of doing that, I entered a writing competition and they had us summarize our, like how many words we had so far into one word, which was super helpful. And I could not figure out for the life of me what my one word was. And so I had my husband read like 36,000 words. <laughs> and he said, this is all about vision. This is all about vision for your life. But he had not heard God's impression. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell him that. So now I had confirmation from the Lord. Like when I said your vision was blurred, I wanted you to write about it's a metaphor for spiritual blindness. My husband was confirming that. And so I really said, okay, Lord, if I'm going to write about having vision, you know, picture me years ago, I stopped this one half of my business. He's calling me to a brand new industry and I'm really just going on faith. I'm like, I need you to write the blueprint personally and professionally so that I can work through this. And then also now that I'm on the other side of it, other people can benefit from it. So that's a long story, but it's, it's a funny story and it's odd. So I love it. I love it. And and it makes so much sense. Having read it, read through that honestly connects a lot of dots and it, it does make a lot of sense. So, um, for anybody listening, I was telling Sierra before we got started that reading through this, I, I was like, how does she, is she in my brain? Like, does she, does she, are we the same person? Like how? So I, this is just so relatable and I just appreciate your honesty and authenticity all throughout. Um, I think something that uh, a lot of the moms listening will relate to is right off the bat, page two, you say, and I'm going to quote you, I desperately needed to know how I fit into the world and more specifically within the context of God's will. For the moms listening, we that's a huge struggle, especially you know postpartum and becoming a brand new mom. But can you share a little bit more about that tension and you know wrestling with God to try and figure out like what what do you mean when you write that and how did that apply to your life either in this season or in seasons past? Yeah, so at the time I had not I had read First Thessalonians five my whole life, but I had not realized that he says it right there in the text. The Lord's will, this is the will of God to pray continually, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. At the time, I was trying to grasp his will, and I realized that's the problem. I'll never be able to grasp his will. And I would read the Bible as like a how to manual, like he's this big sky genie and he's supposed to reveal all these steps that he has for me. And when that didn't work, I was like, okay. I'm just going to read the Bible to discover his character and who he is. And the Bible is not about me. It's about him. Mm-hmm. And when I started to read that differently, then everything changed. That tension was kind of removed. And actually what's ironic is that the closer I got to him, he revealed more things to me mm. when, when I like, wasn't asking for it. Yeah. 
That's good. Um, in the very first chapter, you talk about how vision requires us to change. And um, I want to know what kinds of things change for you in regards to habits, relationships, life in general, in order for you to pursue either this vision specifically or just, you know, vision in general for your life? Like what kinds of things have to change for us or have you seen in your life um, really that required change in order for us to pursue the vision that God gives us? Girl, everything. <laughs> I changed like literally everything. Um, I can't I think the way I wrote it was like the heart to be willing to change always to take his lead was the thing that I found out was important because yes, I did change like specific things. Like I got out of a toxic relationship. I made some friendships that were in alignment with who I was becoming. I moved to a different city two hours away. I got a different job. Um, I started to actually pray every day and meet with the Lord every day. And those things were tangible changes. But I think throughout my lifetime, I'm hoping at least that when I make these tangible changes in my life, it's a way to say to God, hey, I'm trying to do the best I can to be open to your direction. And other people can see these changes I'm making, and it makes this whole vision thing we're doing together. Um, it, it just holds me, you know, accountable, and it, it lets him know that we're ready to be used. Because if we have a stance of like, oh, well, I can, I can change, you know, one thing, but then after that, uh, and so I think that's what I was trying to get at was having that heart open for change, which is super hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard for anybody, and I'm I'm kind of more naturally curious and open to change. And even it's hard even for me. Mm -hmm. Well, you kind of talked about it just a minute ago when you were saying like leaving what you knew and not having the next steps. You know, I think about Abraham and he's like, just go to the place. I'll tell you where it is. And I'm, I imagine being Abraham like, but where God, like I need all the details in the map. And it's like, just go, I'll show you. But that's really, really hard when we're living that out. You know, I think it's easy for us to read these Bible stories and about the Bible characters and we see how it worked out, you know, but when, you know, to put yourself in their place and even us today, as we walk through seasons where, whether it's like unknown or waiting, just a struggle, it's really hard to trust God in that sometimes things have to change completely, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or that it's going to be something we want to let go of. I, I'm sure that for you that you've seen like sometimes these things are really good things. Like you said, your job and what you were already doing, what was familiar, it was a good thing in your life, steady, consistent. And I just know there are moms listening that are probably in a similar situation that they feel that tension or that God's asking them to let go, but we're scared, you know, to let go. But I think that what you're saying is very encouraging. It's like when when we're ready to move into this something new, something different God has for us, we have to let go of the old sometimes in order to move into that new thing. So thank you for sharing that. Um, oh, you're welcome. So when you talk about purpose and calling and vision, I love how you're like, this has just been talked about like in circles and it's so confusing and it's just all muddy. It's all muddy. Um, I love how you clarify it. It's simplified and very direct. So explain the the diagram, the triangle diagram that you give readers in the book and how does that help us clarify our direction and vision? Yeah. And I don't want to claim to be another person that like has the answer. Just for me personally, I asked the Lord for something fresh. 
And he gave me this visual diagram, which is funny because I don't actually learn in visuals. My husband does. My daughters are very good at, they're picture smart. They're very good at drawing and they learn in visuals. My mom learns in, in visuals. I actually learn with language. And so I know it's from the Lord because I would not have come up with it. Um, but I can share it in case it's helpful for someone else. So basically during that year or two of stopping one of my businesses and really sitting with the Lord in that insecurity and doubt of, hey, this would have been fine you know, in my like teens, but now <laughs> I need you to help me figure out what I'm supposed to do next. And so I read a lot of self-help books. I read dictionaries. I read um, obviously the Bible, all of the verses, all of the context. And the Lord gave me this tr- picture of a triangle. And if you buy the book, it, all of this is in chapter two. It's not throughout the whole book, but it's condensed in this one chapter. And he said, draw a standard triangle and write God at the top. and go down until the next line and write the word Jesus. And then the following point, write the word Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm at the very top. I'm the creator of everything, all of time, matter, eternity, space. Out of me, Jesus and the Holy Spirit flow. That's why they're on the bottom of the triangle. And I was like, okay, so the Trinity got it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then he said, no, you know, draw a second triangle So I drew the second triangle and he basically paralleled the Trinity to these three words that I was struggling so much with, purpose, calling, and vision. So he said on the second triangle at the top, write the word purpose. And if you go down to the bottom point, write the word calling and the other side of the triangle at the point, write the word vision. And I was like, okay, how did these match? And he said, just as everything flows from me, all time, eternity, matter, space. Purpose, the word I'm giving you here is for your day-to-day. When you wake up, your purpose is daily communion with me, loving me, learning me, and sharing me with others. And out of our daily time together, only then will your calling and your vision be revealed. So I drew a third triangle, obviously still from the Lord. At the top, I wrote the word why. Okay, God is the ultimate purpose. The word purpose is the day-to-day why. Then what is calling? Okay, calling is the where. It is not a career. It's the space on earth in which I can live out the why, which is God's love. So for me, I figured out creating was my calling. I've been creating in some form since I was two years old. I've come up with marketing jingles in the car on the way to school. I would do all these things. I made products in my 20s. I'm making books and I've made humans like I (laughs) businesses and that's the common thread, but it is not one industry and it is not about how I get paid or a certain title or anything like that. And it can be shifting. And that was just so freeing for me to realize. And so then I was like, okay, that's the where. So then at the other side of the triangle is the word vision. And I was like, okay, by definition, vision is the manifestation of something immaterial to the material. So maybe that's the Lord's playbook. That's his how. So I have this calling of creating, 
But now this specific assignment, this vision is like, write this specific book and who knows what my next one will be. Mm -hmm. I'm like a highlighter and an underliner and circler in my books. And so I write, I wrote, I wrote beside it. So cool that she shares this because, you know, that was like a download that you got from God and, and it makes so much sense. And I wrote like, it brings clarity to what can feel elusive and just so confusing that it just, it doesn't have to be that confusing and it doesn't have to be not concrete. Cause I do think it's concrete and helpful, but it doesn't have to be so rigid, I guess. Like you were saying, it can be fluid and it can change and it looks different in different seasons. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But um, one other quote that you said is um, that everything changes when I step into purpose and yet somehow it feels the same. And I love that because it's, again, so true and so relatable because when we step into purpose, when we're aligned with the Lord and when we're pursuing this vision, everything is different. It is different. But from the outside looking in, in your day-to-day life, a lot of it is the same. So I I just think it's so cool that, you know, as we pursue vision, we think about it as like this elusive thing that is maybe hard to do and we have to fight and like figure it out. But when we partner with the Lord and we're just showing up to do, like you said, what we're called to do in worshiping him, walking with him, knowing him, that fellowship, he leads us in the day to day. So I love all of that. You write, when I make God the purpose around which my day revolves, I feel strangely alive and aligned. Would you say that this is more of a practical thing or is it more of a heart posture from which you operate? This was just a question I was like dying to ask you as I was writing. I was like, what does I need to know more? When I make God the purpose of around which my day revolves, I feel strangely alive and aligned. So I'm just curious, is that like a practical thing or is it more of just a heart posture from which you're operating out of? I guess I would say it's both because, Mm -hmm. you know, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from your heart. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, if my heart knows that I no longer have to find my purpose, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. in life and that God is my purpose, then my heart is so settled, so content for the day. And I I give that calling the, the fluidity, the permission, but that purpose never has that fluidity. The purpose is the Lord. He made that very clear. Mm-hmm. So I think it starts with the heart. And I always pray to start the day with a humble heart because I'm, I just, I know that the Lord really, really hates some pride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can struggle with that just like we all can in different ways. And um, so I, I try to always start my day with praying for a purified heart, praying for a pure motive. And then, yeah, I mean, practically too, you you do have to actually put in the work with the Lord and yeah. you do have to actually pray to him and meet with him and worship him for that to be truly your day-to-day purpose. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, this is another question that I was just wondering personally. <laughs> um Are there specific ways that you've seen your calling influence your position or surroundings like in church or ministry with your kids, your family in general? Like, are there ways that you've seen what you're called to influence those things? Um, I guess really, I don't know how it's perceived from others, like in the church or at work or anything, but for me, I no longer needed reassurance 
from other people about it. Like I'm in the long-term game with God and I'm just focused. And so I guess I thought when I would know like my specific thing, then I would just excel at it and it would be perfect every day and it would be so easy breezy. And it's like, it's actually really hard and it's not, and you feel contentment, but I the one thing that changed for me was needing to have all my friends on board or call my mom again or mm-hmm. download to my husband's stuff. I, now I just you know, I've gotten feedback from my best friend and my mom that I seem less um stressed and more in the present moment. So mm-hmm. maybe just not needing that reassurance of like am I doing okay? Do you see me 5 years from now? Is this the industry you would have been? what how did you know your five-year plan? Like what it, I just stopped needing that because I got it from him and it was like, um, life-changing. Yeah. 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 That's good. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit, because I want to talk about the section on boundaries. So you say you don't have to do big things for God. You just have to do the next thing he gives you hidden or public, big, small, or in between. And I feel like this is literally motherhood summed up in one sentence because a lot of what we do is unseen, unappreciated. It feels small. It feels boring. It feels mundane. So how do you handle when God asks you to do these things that you know will be either unseen or, you know, as the world would classify it, be small? How do you how do you handle that when God asks you to do these these little quote unquote things? I don't know that. I've ever done anything big for God, um, really, but I do try hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that obedience is a big thing to him and that he'll reward me for it. I don't know if sometimes if big can get mixed up with seen or visible, but I think there's a lot of important people and decision makers in the world that do actually do really big things for our country, for their families for their schools and they're never seen and no one knows about them. And so, and then, you know, the flip side of that is there's a lot of people that are seen and visible that aren't doing anything big for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know where we got mixed up that those two needed to hold hands. I, I don't know. I guess for me, I don't mind living in those hidden spaces because God is the biggest thing in my life. And so whatever he gives me is just like bonus stuff, like an additional thing. And so I, I feel like they're really important, even if no one tells me good job or if I don't tell anyone what I'm doing, or if no one sees it, like the Lord gave me my kids, the Lord gave me the coffee shop down the street and the library we go to on Wednesdays and the little life that we have. And I guess I'm not trying to be impressive. I just want to be loved and God is love. So I just feel content. I feel like that's enough. Sorry, I don't know if that's helpful, but. Yeah, I know it is because I think culture encourages us or kind of tempts us to chase and to strive and to do these things that are impressive or that look big or, you know, the stage. Everything has to be on a stage, right? You know, we have the little screens that we carry around with us all day long and and you can open those up and you have a stage right there. And I think it's just so tempting for us to hop on a stage or hop on a mic or um, whatever it may be to, to, you know, feel like doing that is important work or it's big work or it's the things that matter. 
Um, when, like you said, the unseen, the small day-to-day mundane parts of our lives that the hidden parts um, are actually very valuable, just as valuable. Yeah, I think it's a long-term thing. I think it's a long-term thinking thing because like if you can imagine, I mean, take someone who adopts a child, their life would be totally different mm-hmm. had they not been adopted statistically mm-hmm. when they're 18. And maybe now they have an amazing life because the Lord blessed this couple with someone. And even that one small, tiny blip of a hundred years of a person's life compared to eternity, that's still so big. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, for some reason we've condensed motherhood into some small thing and it's like the biggest job in the world. Right. And even working on ourselves with the Lord, following other pursuits, those, they, they are big things. But I, I think what trips people up is if you want to be, I think the Lord used people that were content being a nobody mm. and he just happened to elevate them versus someone who wants to be a somebody or wants to be big. I think the Lord is fearful that if they had any success at all, they would take the credit for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think again, too, that culture kind of, you know, tells us that not that we even find our identity in motherhood or as a mom, but it just, it's, it's, we can't win with culture. It's like, you, you really can't, you know, you could never do anything big enough. So, um, comparing or even entertaining the ideas that, that culture feeds us is honestly, is going to leave us tired, exhausted, burned out, and just chasing after more. So, um, yeah, it's like irrelevant to the Lord's word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you give us a brief over, overview of the seven steps that you list um, that help readers to practically embrace and fulfill God's vision for their lives? Okay. The first one was recognize a vision from the Lord. The second was confirm the vision is actually from Him. The third is um, involve others. The fourth is dream and design. I call it my Mary Poppins step. The fifth step is to plan and put in the work. And the sixth is update. And the seventh is pursue the vision at all costs until God decides it's over. Mm. Yeah. And each step, as you talk about in depth in the book, is just so helpful. Again, so if anybody listening, I mean, we're going to talk about this in a minute, but grab the book glasses off because it's so relatable. It's so practical. It's so helpful and encouraging. I loved the seven steps and how you kind of, you share kind of your process for these things. I I love when someone kind of lifts the veil or pulls back the curtain and it's like, hey, this is how I'm doing this. And this is what I found to work. And, you know, it's just helpful to hear how you're working it out in your life. And so I appreciate you for defining the steps and and explaining those in the book because a lot of times we wonder okay well but, but how how did she do that and and a lot of times people will promise you you know whether it's a book or whatever it is a course whatever they promise this thing and then you you you're left at the end and you're like okay but still how like i don't feel like the question was answered so <laughs> again i'm so glad you said that because my main thing was like if i write this book i want it to be full of substance and i want someone to read it and go wow this is life-changing stuff. I don't want to write a fluff book. So I'm really yes. glad that that yes. came through. Yeah. 
you did it. The Lord did it through you, girl. I'm telling you. For sure. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, okay. Another thing I loved that you shared was how just honest you were about being triggered and how that can feel like a setback in some way. So we're on this journey, we're in this pursuit of God's vision, and this trigger pops up and it almost feels like that it's a setback, like a huge setback. Um, it can cause me at least to feel stuck or like I've taken one step forward, three steps back. So what does that reset look like for you? How do you push through and keep going when triggers come up or when negative habits seem to creep back in and like threaten to just weigh you down or set you back? How do you handle that? Um, It depends on the trigger, I guess, but I just try to offset it. So like if I'm feeling anxious, then I can do all the things that I know help with anxiety. So obviously go to the Lord, um, obviously move your body and Avocado helps reduce anxiety. Um, a glass of milk helps reduce anxiety. Limonene, caf- caffeine. You know, I, I really just try to be super logical about if I'm feeling some type of way, mm-hmm. this is the substitute for that. This is the Lord gave us this, you know, whatever it was that's in the the real world that we can also use. Writing stuff down helps me get it all out as well. Communicating it to someone, externally processing it helps because I can internalize a lot mm-hmm. and avoid and I don't want to feel that. But if I just allow myself to feel it and I allow myself to heal and I give myself just or I don't I don't give myself grace, but I allow God's grace in and just say, okay, so I'm triggered. So what? <laughs> yeah. So how how are we going to fix it together? And I try to just do really practical things to help. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that because I feel like, and I don't know if it was just the way I was raised in church or church, churchy, you know, lingo in general, but it can feel like that, especially as a person who struggles with anxiety, it's like, pray more and have more faith and da da. And it's like, okay, well, I might just need to actually make sure I'm eating. I need to make sure I'm moving my body. So there are, you know, we are such integrated and whole beings. And I think that sometimes I think more people now are starting to look at, you know, like holistic health and things like that, the whole person. But it has felt like at times that I'm like, well, maybe if I just pray more, maybe if I just study my Bible more, maybe I'm not spending enough time in this, this, this. And, you know, like you said, there can be just super practical, like, like real world things that you just need to make sure that you're doing and caring for your body because it is a temple. And we're going to whatever that input is, is what is going to affect the output. And so thank you for sharing that too, because sometimes I, I even still overthink it. I'm like, well, do I need to do this or do I need it? And it's like, Kaysen, you just need to turn your phone off and go outside and take a walk, like take some deep breaths, you know? Yeah, totally. So let's circle back to boundaries. I said we were going to come back to this a little bit. Um, I wish we could talk about all the areas of boundaries that you address in the book because they're all so good. But Again, I appreciate your vulnerability and your authenticity when you talk about boundaries against sin, because I don't know that I've ever heard or read, and I'm I'm a reader, like I I read, I've read a ton of books. I don't know that I've ever heard a Christian woman write these things in a book. Like it's so good. It's so honest and honestly encouraging because again, at that moment, it was just exactly what I needed to hear because often the struggle is repetitive and it's so draining and it just, it's exhausting to feel like, okay, am I ever going to be able to move past this? Or is this something I'm going to struggle with for forever? You write that sin feels near 
impossible to overcome, especially when I keep it pressed so tightly against myself that it leaves a stain, which by the way, so beautifully written. I love that. I love that one. But will you share some of your boundaries against sin, how you handle these struggles as you are pursuing vision and what God's called you to? Sure. So I think it can kind of go off of our last, what we were just talking about of, okay, if we have the trigger or say we have the sin, let's let's first confess it. We know from scripture and we actually need to do it. And I didn't, I did not do that daily for a long time until mm-hmm. I was well into my twenties. Um, and when I was teaching my children to do it, even at a young age, then I was like, oh, I actually need to do that every single time that I sin. I need to confess to the Lord. And I would just kind of think it in my head and move on or maybe not even know or be aware of a sin, obviously. Um, And once I started making that a habit, that was so freeing. And I felt just like I could be an open book with God. And then when I confessed to other people, then I felt like I could be an open book with other people because it no longer was a measurement of like, well, are they better than me in a certain area or less than? It was just, I'm able to be present in the moment with this person because there's no guard. There's no sin keeping me f- hidden and like closed off. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my accountability partner is my husband. And I know that there's some people that say you should have the same um, sex as the accountability partner. And I have girlfriends I'm very close to. It's just that my husband and I, you know, we just sin so much. I mean, people just sin so much that if I were to call up my best friend and say, hey, it's me again, you know, that would be our whole relationship would be me confessing. So my husband and I just decided to tell each other everything every day and it's hard and we forgive and we move past it. Um, and then as far as, I guess, boundaries, I mean, I would set things up practically like So I have epilepsy. So I know my triggers are getting woken up out of REM sleep really quickly. I know I can go into a grand mal seizure. Lights don't trigger me as much, but they really uh, make it hard for me. And my brain sort of goes like black and white and feels like snapshots. And so I won't go in environments that I know will be strobe lights for longer than 30 minutes. I know that if at church they pull up something that says, hey, if you have convulsions, maybe leave the room. This this thing has an effect on it. I'll leave the room. And so I kind of do that with the sin um, in my life. I will change the environment. So if I know someone I'm following online always makes me feel sick to my stomach, I don't have to follow that person. Hmm. Um, I know that if if you know my i talk about in the book that my sort of biggest sin struggle is gluttony it's just i'll have that extra glass of wine i'll have that hour long conversation past bedtime i'll have that um whatever it is whatever it is and i've just learned to have a hard stop with those things and to set myself up for success and it's just super helpful mhm Yeah, it makes so much sense when you think about like, just don't go into the environments or don't put yourself into those places where you're more likely to be tempted or to succumb to the sin. 
just yeah, just and awareness is key because I had to be aware. Like, what is what do what do I struggle with the most? Okay, people pleasing, more. You know, I vacillate between like I want to declutter everything in my house and throw it away, to, oh, it's the Christmas season. Let's go buy a new garland to wrap the the stairs with, and let's go to fourteen festivals. Yeah. I vacillate between those two. And what the Lord has showed me is that I don't have um, the contentment that Paul talks about. And I mean, I I do now, but as I was writing the book years ago and the contentment that Paul said, I have found the secret of peace and contentment, whether I have everything or, or nothing. And it is God. And I was like, yeah, God can't exist here if I'm if I'm not even still enough to feel the things, confess the things, create new habits. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So one last question before we wrap up, this show is about daily rhythms and systems that help us pursue the Lord in practical ways day to day. And so what's a daily rhythm that's keeping you grounded right now in your current season? Um, If there's anything you're doing that helps you um, to keep overwhelm, uh, at bay, if that's even something that you struggle with, um, what was something that you do to help keep yourself grounded? Uh, no, I'm never overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, I set out to have a daily date with God and I call it my DDG. And basically I gave myself a lot of grace to just very low expectations. And I said for 60 days, I'm going to meet with the Lord sometime throughout the day, whether that's a morning devotional with a candle and a cup of tea, and we have a date, or it is a walk in nature and I leave my phone and I talk about an acorn with my (laughs) four-year-old, or it is sharing insight from my tween devotional that my daughter's doing and we sit on her bed and do that together, or... It's worshiping in the shower, praying in my closet. Every single day, I just made a decision. I have to spend some part of it with him. And the only stipulation is that it has to happen. And I have to be present with him. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is on the table. And once I made that 60, once I made it through that 60 days, it became a habit. And now it's something that is a rhythm that I really enjoy. Yeah. I love that. And I think too, that, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of this, so I'm not pointing fingers at anyone else. I'm just pointing at myself, but um, I'm guilty of thinking, you know, God can only meet me between the open pages of my Bible and I have to sit and it has to be quiet and it has to look like this. And, you know, it has to be for this amount of time. And it's just not true. I'm still learning. I was actually this morning, I was stretching after a workout and I, I had some like just uh, instrumental music on and I was sitting there stretching and then I was doing a little meditation afterward and it was almost God, like God was like, I'm right here. So lately I've been like, God, show me where you are. Like, where are you? I'm like, it feels like God's, you know, not here that he's silent. And it was like, first of all, I felt so much peace for the first time in a long time meeting with him, if I'm just being honest. And he was like, Casey, I'm right here. You don't have to go find me. You don't have to, you don't have to try so hard. You know, and and for me, I feel like too that he was like, just do what you're doing, like in the everyday, and notice, notice me, 
take time and be present, like you said, um, intentionally spend time with me. And I think I'm so guilty of turning it into like a 25 minute quiet time and we're going to open our Bibles and here's the highlighters and open your pages like, you know, John chapter one. And I think there's a time and a place for that. Um, obviously, Bible studies and all those things are great and studying the word, opening the word, um, washing ourselves in the word in scripture. Um, but I think sometimes, and and obviously everyone's different, but he, he was like, Casey, I'm right here. Like it, while you're stretching, I'm with you. Like, and then there was just so much peace. So um, I love how you include that. It's like whatever you're doing day to day um, in the day that you just have those intentional moments with him and fellowship with him and connect with him um, genuinely. I don't know if anyone else out there overcomplicates it, but I do as, as tends to be a theme in my life, I guess. Um, that it can just be I'm simple. right there with so you. Thank you for that reminder that it can, it can just be simple and that he's with us always. And it's just us pausing to notice that he's there and um, that he's with us and whatever it is that we're doing. So I appreciate you for sharing that. Where can people connect with you at either online or how can we connect with you? And then where can they pick up a copy of this book? Because friends, you're going to want to get the book. It's so helpful. And I'm like, I, I absolutely loved it. And I'm going to share it with everyone. And I'm not going to give them this copy because it's got all my notes in it and this is marked up, but um, I'm going to share it with everybody I know. So tell the listeners how they can connect with you and get their own copy. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you can find me at my pin name online. So sierralanemyers.com and then uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Apple Books, all the things if you prefer electronic reading. I, I like a paperback. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, because you can like bend the spine and it's not as precious, but yes. some people really, really like a hardcover. I've since realized with feedback that they would not buy a paperback. And some people immediately want to do a Kindle. They don't want a physical book taking up space. So it, to each their own. It's so I will funny. say, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say it's so funny because in my mind, I'm like, there's only one way to read a book. Like you have to have a physical copy and it needs to be soft so it can go in your bag or your diaper bag, your purse, wherever. Like, duh. Why have these? Like, you know, and it's again, everyone's not like you. Everyone doesn't do things like you do. But like you said, teach their own. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, um, I think for optimal reading, I would suggest a chapter a day. So I've had some people say they've read it in two days and one day. And um, you totally can do that if you're a reader and you have very little responsibility. <laughs> uh, but I think reading one chapter at a time will allow, I mean, you can attest to this since you've read it, but it is all about executing on a vision, how the Lord gives it to us, how we can see it and follow through. But in every chapter, I did put in like a fresh word from God that's kind of its own little theme. Do you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I would just say meditate on that chapter for the day and then do something else with your day and then come back the next day and read the next one. Yes. And if you're an overthinker like me, even though it's been yeah. clarified and put out, you know, take a <laughs> chapter a week, you know, right? <laughs> uh, what, whatever you need to do. Um, well, Sierra, thank you so much for being here. It was really cool to talk to you um, and kind of pick your brain a little bit with with what you've written here. It's beautifully written, so helpful, so practical. I loved it. Um, I'm going to link everything below. So um, Mama's listening. If you want to grab your copy, just go to the show notes and um, click there and you can go ahead and get it. And read through and um, clarify that vision 
um, and start pursuing that vision that the Lord has given you. So thank you so much for being here and talking with me today. Of course. Thank you again. It was an honor. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I hope it was practical and also encouraging for you. Don't forget to grab Sierra's new book, Glasses Off, and be sure to connect with her through the links below. I'll see you back here next week, friend.